to wow them a little bit. And, and, and maybe someone could say, well, that's just telling us a lot about you, you know? Like, but but it's, not, it's not like that. It's really because, like, like I want to give a meaningful gift. Um, that's the type of gift giver I want to be. And, and, but, you know, there was this one time where uh, I, I received a gift that wowed me. Um, I had, a, I had a, a number of friends who live in New York, and, you know, they would, they would call me up on the phone, and they'd be like, Brandon, come visit. And, and, and they're like, we'll, we'll get you an airplane ticket, but come out here and visit us. So um, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I'll go out there and visit you guys. And, and I was uh, actually going to go out there, and I was going to buy. Am I, I need my phone for a second, sweetie. Let me see this. I was going to go out to, to um, I'll, I'll get right back to you. I was going to go out to New York, and I was going to buy a, a digital camera, but when I knew I was going to go to New York and they were going to buy me an airplane ticket to go out there, this family is like in the know about everything technology-wise. So I thought, why would I go buy a digital camera on my own when I can go spend time with this family? They'll help me pick it out. So I go out there, and, and just so the younger people in the audience realize, there was a time when, when our digital cameras weren't our phones. Like, there was a time when we had to like have our, our cameras in one pocket and our phone in the other, and I mean, it was such a, a first world problem, but, but, but time, time, is, time is, has, has really gotten to us, and, and we're blessed now, but so I, I, I go out to, to New York, and, and I'm looking for a digital camera, and they, they help me to pick one out, and, and I purchase this digital camera, and then we go through New York City, and I'm taking all these awesome pictures, and I loved it, man. I mean, and, and they helped me get the right camera, I would have been lost without them. I, I truly would have been lost without them. To prove this point, I know nothing about computers. Like, I mean, this morning, Pastor Paul, I mean, he's a couple years older than me. And, and, and he, has to, he has to help me load a video onto the computer that we're going to see in a little bit. So that just tells you where I'm at, okay? I'm not exaggerating on this. But, but so I go around New York City, I'm taking all these pictures, and I'm looking at them, and like, I'm just thinking, I can't wait to get these developed, you know, and send them off to Walgreens, whatever that means. And, 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 and I, I was excited. And, uh, and this family who just, they've always been nice to me. They've always been gracious to me. And, and their names are actually Don and Patty Cordero, you know. And, and, and uh, I'm getting ready to leave, and Patty says to me, hey, you know, Don and I got you a little gift. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was sneaking out the living room and sit with us. And it was like a week before Christmas at this time, maybe two weeks before Christmas. And the whole family gathers, okay? I mean, uh, so the, Don and Patty and their kids, and and, and like, oh, go ahead and open the gift. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, I honestly just thought it was another airplane ticket for six months from now. Um, and, and so I, I opened the wrappers, and on the outside of the box, you know, it was a box in it, and it said, digital printer. And I thought, okay, there must be something on the inside the box. So then... I open it up, and, and it's this digital printer. And, and now, again, when you're younger, you're probably thinking, <laughs> printer, whatever. But, but like, like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when this came out, this thing was like this big. I mean, it was like the size of a Subway sandwich, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And, and, and it was phenomenal. I mean, you, all I had to do was plug a cord from the camera into this, this, this printer, and, and it, it printed out my pictures. And at the time, this gift was unbelievable. I mean, it, it was at least 
And, and, and I, I know, 500 bucks, you know, some people, that's not a ton. To me, it's a ton. But me, when I'm like in my early 20s, that's like, whoa, money. And, uh, and I just looked at them and I said, uh, nope, I'm not taking this. And they said, yeah, you are. It's, it's our gift to you. And I said, and I started to cry and I said, I, I just can't take this. I can't receive this gift. You know, it's just too much. And, uh, and they looked at me and said, Brandon, we love you. You are like our son. And I start to weep. And I'm crying. Because um, nobody in my life had ever given me a gift like that. Not my mom, not my dad. Nobody had ever given me a gift like that. And... Uh, and I knew they were going to make me take this gift. I, I, I recognized where we were in this point. And I thanked them and I hugged them. And I just want you to know, it wasn't about the price of the printer. It wasn't like that. It was, it was just, it was that they loved me and the way that they expressed their love. It wasn't, they didn't express their love to me in, in a monetary value. It was, it was verbally. It was, come here, you know, like, come here, son. And, uh. And it wowed me and just, you know, touched my heart. It was one of those moments where it just completely wowed me with the gift. And what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at the same parable that we've been looking at. And I want, I want you to see something in it, okay? So I'm going to read the parable that we've been reading. Um, this is the third week we're looking at it, and we have at least one more week to go with it. But, um, so let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew 18. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. It's not going to be on the screen, and that's okay because this is the, the third week of reading it. So if you want to open your Bibles, you can, or you can just close your eyes. And I mean it. This is how I like to do it. I mean, close your eyes, and when someone reads it to me, I just imagine it. I imagine it playing out in my head. And I'm guessing when I imagine it, you're probably imagining the same picture I am. No? I don't know. Anyways, so let, let, let's, let's, let's pray, and then I'm going to read this story to you. Dear Lord Jesus... You are the ultimate gift. And may our hearts say, and our minds say, and our souls say, hallelujah, you are Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. 
but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they, went, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. As we uh, started looking at this parable, or as we start looking at this parable, what I want us to see today and what we're going to be focusing on is this man's response to his debt being forgiven. So let me ask, how do we see this man respond when he is told that his debt is forgiven? We don't. I know this is a parable, and parables aren't meant to explain away everything to us, but I want us to see this as something that Jesus, not something that Jesus left out, but something meaningful that is missing. So, so hear me again, not something that's left out, but something that's missing. See, when this man had lost everything, when this man who was in debt to the king or to the master to the tune of 150,000 years of salary, I think that's what you said last week, right? 200? Yeah, it's, it's some change. And when he couldn't repay the debt to the ruler, the ruler decided to sell his wife and his kids and all that he had. And what was his response in that moment? What was his response? Begging. How did he beg? Fell to his knees, right? fell to his knees, and he begged and said, give me more time. And when the debt was forgiven, we don't see any type of a response. Not a thank you, not a statement to the king for his gratitude for sparing this man's family, nothing. Where is the man's response in the parable? I'm going I'm I'm to point out something to you. I... I, I and you can do this at home on your own as well. But, um, you know, I just looked at a few different stories. And the uh, um, first one I'm going to give you is from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus heals a blind man. And it says, Jesus is walking along. And he sees two blind men. And, and, and he says, and they're yelling at Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. And, and uh Jesus eventually comes around. I'm giving you the fast version here. And Jesus comes around and says to him, well, basically Jesus comes over and he touches their eyes and says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. And Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. And here it comes. But they went out and spread the good news about all that he had done throughout that region. What happened? They received something, right? They received a gift. They were told not to say anything to anybody. And what do they do? They run out, and Jesus has healed me. He has touched my eyes, and he has given me sight. Let's just flip around. Uh, you can, this one's from, from Luke chapter 5, and there's two of them in Luke chapter 5. Um, uh, there's a man with leprosy, and, and, and 
just think about this again. Of leprosy, people that you have leprosy, you live outside of town, no one touches you, no one comes near you. And, and while Jesus was in one of the towns, he was coming along and he sees a man who has leprosy. But when the man sees Jesus, he falls on his face to the ground. Hear that? He falls on his face to the ground. And he begs him. He doesn't look at him in the face. I mean, he falls to his face in the ground. I lift my eyes. Remember the song we sung? But he didn't, he, didn't lift, he didn't look at the Lord in his eyes. And he said, but this goes on here. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. He says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus says, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest. Verse 15. Yet the news about him spread to more and more. What is the response? When someone gives you a gift, when someone does something to for you, you see the response. Isn't it that way with your kids? You ever given your kid a gift? Part of giving your kid a gift, you know, is like, man, it feels good to give them something. It feels good to take care of somebody. It feels good to know you did something for somebody and, and, and you see them appreciate it. And, and in the story that we've been reading, I could give you more, but, but I'll move on. Um, you can go through the scriptures and look at them. Almost every time there's like a, there's like a response. But when we give a gift to somebody, we, we, we like seeing them be like, wow, thank you. When your debts, when your sin, when your life is changed and transformed, as we see in these additional scripture verses, you can't help but sing praises to God all the way home. You can't help but sing praises about the person who's helped you out. We share with that with people. But here, something is different. There is none of that in the story that Jesus is telling. And the question is, why? Did Jesus just like, did he forget this part? No. Go back and look at the words of the man when he fell on his knees and he begged. He said, he fell on his knees and he pleaded with the ruler, be patient with me and I will repay everything. This was not about the forgiveness that was just given to him, the debt relief that was just given to him. No, this was more about what this man still plans to do is to repay everything. What Jesus doesn't say, but the man's actions say when he doesn't forgive someone else, is that his mind, in his mind, the forgiveness is based off his words and actions to repay the debt, not the compassion of the ruler. Let me say that again. When this man doesn't forgive someone else, in his mind, his forgiveness is based off of his words and his actions to repay the debt, not the compassion and grace of the ruler. He believes he gets a redo, a second chance, another chance to do it over with. The reason why he couldn't have compassion on this guy was because he had to go out and collect everything he could and build a fortune and then pay it back and say, see, I knew I could do it. There was still a hope inside of him that he could fix the wrongs. In the parable, the ruler is God, the man is us, and the debt is our sin, and we are still sometimes thinking that we can fix the wrongs. Fine, Jesus gave me forgiveness, but now I'm going to do it the right way. Now I'm going I'm to leave church on Sunday, and I'm going to go and sin no more. And that lasts as long as you get to the stop sign. 
Let's leave the parable. I believe that this is where a lot of us are in the church sometimes. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. But some of us in the church sometimes, and, and, and a lot of people outside the church have heard a message from the church, and they believe this. They believe they can still do better. They believe they can still pay back this debt. Give me a chance and I can fix it. When, when the man's debt was forgiven, was it actually forgiven or was it more like a, hey, did, did, did the ruler say, hey, tell you what, put down 10% and come back to me. I'm going I'm to run it at an interest rate. No, there was none of that. And it's important to remember that because we're looking at who God is in this. And I'm going to close that in a little bit, but... But tell you what we'll do. We're going to watch a video. You're going to think the video is great. You're going to laugh. And then I'm going to have words, okay? So let's watch the video real quick. If you don't laugh, I'll be happier with you, but you're going to laugh. I told you you would laugh. No. No. I would never say what that man said. And here's why. That man pointed to everything that man does. Where in there, Pastor John Jay, did he mention Jesus? There's a reason why people inside the church and outside the church think that when they come to church, they leave so that they can behave better. I know it's funny. It's relatable. People are digging him. This video has been seen millions of times online. 
But if you listen to everything he says, he says, we have hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters, and we work with marriages, and he has this great way he talks. And we, and, and we, do, we work with orphans. And he listed well, everything that man does. And then I don't know if you heard it, but it was right towards the end. You did hear it. It was your biggest laugh. And it's okay. I, I laughed too. And, and then I thought about it for a long time. But here's what he says. Basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. We are in the area of behavioral alteration. We are in the business of altering people's behavior. This did, why did this man not respond to the gracious debt forgiveness of Jesus? Because he didn't understand. He thought, I can leave the church and then go and do it better next time on my own. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that, you are going to go into a, a place of, of depression or you're going to go into a place where you leave the church and think that the church is full of lies because you won't be able to do it. You'll, be, you'll find yourself like that little hamster that's always running and going nowhere. Let me give you a story real quick. My, my, my grandfather, who taught me so much about in life, I mean, like, he was the man. I mean, I just, I loved my grandpa, you know, um, teaches me hard work, you know. <laughs> my grandpa would have me come over to his house and cut his grass, and, and we lived in this poor area, and my grandpa, through hard work, you know, and saving, and, and, and you know, all the, you know, he has a very nice house, he lives in a great neighborhood, and and he'd come get me, and, and we'd go over there, and I'd have to cut his grass. I'd have to cut his grass. You know, you're going to learn, boy. You know, that's how my, my grandpa was. But uh, so I would go over there, and I'd cut his grass. And, and he had this, and, and, and not just, my grandpa was, he was a businessman, okay? He, 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 he was in management, and then he opened up some franchises and, and service master, and my grandpa was awesome. So, so my grandpa would, would, would have me cut his grass, and then my grandpa would knock on the doors of his neighbors and be like, you need your grass cut? My grandson's available. And, 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 and they would pay me, but it would be like, and if I didn't do it fast enough, my grandpa would come and get me on days I had baseball games. And if I didn't finish in time, what do you think happened? You think I went to the baseball game? Well, I showed up late, but my grandpa, he had this lawnmower, and it was a push lawnmower that had a bagger on it. Again, for the younger people, a push lawnmower means you have to push it. There's no lever on it that engages a motor and you get to go. This is like the Flintstone style. And, and so my grandpa has his lawnmower, and, 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 and I'm out there, and I'm pushing. And, and you know, the first row is easy, second row is not bad, third row is, oh, the, the grass is, is, is catching in, in the bag. And, and every row you go, it gets harder. And then the worst part happens. The bag's full. And you know the bag's full because it's dropping grass out the back, and you have to go back and pick it up. But, but you take the bag off, and you've got to pour it into something else, and, and odds are it falls on, and you've got to pick that up, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a hassle. It's hard. Okay? If you want to punish your kids, go get a push lawnmower with a bagger on it. And my grandpa does this thing, right? So my grandpa, he, he, my, my grandpa, he was a wonderful man, and he goes out one day and he buys a brand new lawnmower. It was a mulching lawnmower that had the engaging the engine, the self thing, you know? So you just, you, I remember the first time I used it, I pulled the thing, woo! 
And it just, it's not, I'm not joking, it just went. And, and like my grandpa had to move his car because he was scared I was going to go through the grass onto the driveway in his car. And, and, but he gives me this thing, and I have to cut all these lawns. And now all of a sudden, like, I'm buzzing through the yards, and it's going real quick, and I'm, and I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. So my grandpa goes inside, I turn off the lawnmower, I go back inside, and I grab the other lawnmower, that's the old one. I bring the old lawnmower back outside, and I start using the old one. Because it wasn't about me anymore. That lawnmower did everything, and I did basically nothing. And it didn't make it seem like I was earning the paycheck that I was getting. So I went back, got the old lawnmower, start rooting it. My grandpa comes out and says, what are you doing? Boy, you dumb. And, 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 and I was like, no, grandpa, I just like this one better. No, use the other one. It goes by faster. You know? But, but the whole purpose of it was, it, it had to be about me. I still wanted to earn it. You know? That's who we are. We're people who, who, even though we come here and we hear a message about a free gift we get in a Savior, we leave here still trying to earn it. I'm not in the business of behavioral alterations. You want to be my friend? Don't tell me my kids are good. I don't want to hear my kids are good. I want to hear my kids are forgiven. My kids make mistakes. Their dad makes mistakes, don't I, Maya? Right? Yeah. When I mess up, what do I say to you? I'm sorry, don't I? I'm a, I'm a fallen man. I'm a sinner. I'm not getting better. The Holy Spirit is working. I believe in the process of sanctification. That's a long road, folks. Justification is instant. It's God's gift to me. It is what he does for me. It's not about the, the, the behavioral alteration. When the brokenness that's inside of a heart, when those who are broken, whose hearts are heavy and burdened and by guilt and shame come to the cross or they come to the church or they come to, to someone who believes in Jesus and then they admit that they've messed up, and they admit that they make mistakes, you say, that is no longer your sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he, and he took your sin. He stole it from you. You get to repent. That is no longer yours. And then you hug them and you don't say, now go and be better. Because they won't. They'll mess up. They'll accumulate more debt. You know, this is what it says in Isaiah. It says, all of us have become like the one who is unclean. Our most, our most righteous acts are like dirty rags. Think about that. If my best is a dirty rag, what does my worst look like? What does it look like? Unbearable, hidden, shameful. In the intro, I told you of a story of someone who gave me a gift that wowed me. I, I, I didn't think that I deserved the gift, and, and I wasn't family. So why would this man be so, and, and, his, and his wife, be so generous with me? See, part of the problem we have with understanding forgiveness is that 
it, we look at it only to how it pertains to us. And what I mean by that is that uh, because we have a God whose love for us is greater than we can begin to understand, it becomes very hard for us to understand what he does for us. So instead of thinking about everything he does for us for a second, sometimes we need to look at what he or who he is. In the beginning of the parable, it said that there was this king who called in his person and he wanted to, to get things right. This is a king who doesn't want to live with the system of you owe me's and here's how it's going to work. Play by my rules or else. Nope. And if you want to understand forgiveness, understand who God the Father is. God the Father wants to give his, his children, those who he, have crea he has created in his image, the gift of Jesus Christ. It's not something that can be earned. It is a gift, right? That's a gift I need. I promise you it's a gift you need. Pastor Paul's told me all about you. I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's a gift we need. And it's a gift that when we walk out these doors, we should honestly be high-fiving each, each other. It's almost like we should high-five each other and say, we pulled one over on Jesus. That guy got my shame, and I got his righteousness. I won that one. You did. You won that one because of what he has done for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to see, and this is all going to come back together hopefully next week, is, is when Peter walks up to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive somebody? That's where this started. Remember that? When we understand how gracious of our forgiver our father is to us, it becomes a lot easier to forgive other people. And that's where we're going to go next week. Let's pray. Let's receive the forgiveness that has been given to you unconditionally and unlimitedly. Let's go to prayer. Dear Jesus, first let me say I know what that guy meant when he, was, when he said that, and I don't think he meant to leave you out. But as the church, may you help us to be people who don't focus on a message of behavioral alteration, but on a message of heart reconciliation. And Lord, would you start with each one of us in this room today? There's a heaviness on our hearts that stems from knowing that we have fallen short and knowing that our ways have failed. And there's a heaviness on our heart because our pride wants our ways to work. And there's a heaviness on our hearts because, Lord, inside we still want to reject your ways and we want to reject you. We're like the man who wants to go back out and try and make things right and show you and pay you on our own. Lord, I'm sorry that that man is me. And, and, and hopefully the people in this room are willing to repent for trying to be that person as well. And Lord, may we rest 
and the works of Jesus and all that he has done for us. In your name we pray, amen.